0: All right, well, welcome to
1: the Fundamental Life Podcast. We are on episode number 14. We haven't recorded since uh, mid-December, so a lot's happened since then through the holidays and whatnot. I am flying solo today. I do have a guest, which I'll introduce here in a minute, but Matt has stepped out, had some personal items, and so all you get today is Steve so, welcome to the podcast, appreciate you guys subscribing, hopefully, hopefully you'll uh, enjoy this one. So today, we have a good friend of ours, and actually the producer of our podcast, Marcus Wing, big Marcus Wing, and he is a big man. Welcome, Marcus.
0: Hey, glad to be here. I don't know that I can fill the shoes of Matt, but, uh, I, and I definitely don't have as many one-liners. But <laughs> He's full here. of one-liners, dude. He's got some great ones, yeah, for sure. He does, and
1: no one can fill Matt's shoes. no. He's got great stories. You are a storyteller,
0: though. I've got a couple. And you've told me that's what you want to be when you get old. When I'm old and retired, wrinkled, I want a bunch of grandkids around, you know, asking about the time that I did that or did, you know, the time I got arrested or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, chilling on the front
1: porch, drinking your uh, whatever you're drinking at the time, just telling little kids about stories when you were youngster. Probably old, crippled, broke, you yeah. know. Just filled with stories. Yeah. So, um, today, we've been, uh, I, th- I was thinking, you know, when we were going to have you on, Marcus, kind of yep. what uh, what you could bring to the show, and one of the things, and and I've told you this, it's not a secret between us two, but one of the things I really admire about you is that you're authentic, and uh, I guess the, the cliche is that you kind of live your truth, right? But you're a very authentic individual, And um, from a distance, as I've kind of admired you and your family with your kids and your relationship with your wife, I've listened to your podcast. Yeah. Um, There's there's a lot that I've gleaned from that and that I admire about that. And so I kind of want to ask you a few questions and then, you know, we'll have some dialogue back and forth. But the first question I want to ask you, and it's a general question, is like, how, in your opinion, how does one become? a better person, a better human being? I know that's a general question, but how do you become, and we'll dive into different aspects, but how do you become better, like a better person?
0: Yeah, uh, man. Dude, I don't know that I'm real qualified. I don't know that I'm I'm a great person. (laughs) Uh, But I would say something I'm still working on and can't say that I'm perfect in, but I think that would help anyone become a better person is kind of – You know, every I think with the world like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all these things and these out like outside images you're trying to portray, it's always how well you're doing and like what you've got going on, and it's kind of like this very uh, I don't know fake front, you know, and that's what everybody's saying we're supposed to do, you know, and I think that we need to get away from like hey, this is what I'm doing, this is how cool I am, and everything that I'm doing is to make me seem or appear or even become better and start thinking about how we can help other people um, with what they're doing. And, And not even for, like, not to post it on Instagram, not to, like, take it and, you know, get the appreciation from everybody else or the thumbs up or the likes on Instagram, but just to do things to help other people because it's the right thing to do. And for me, a lot of times, you know, I I really try to look at others and how I can help. But for me, a lot of times it's my family, it's my kids, it's my wife. You know, I don't say, you know, I want to do this. I'm like, okay, cool. My kids, like what, what do I need to do to help them? What do I need to do to make my wife feel like she's killing it. What do I got to do to make my son feel like he's beating on his chest and he's he's, you know, he's becoming a man? How do I make my daughters feel like they're worth a million bucks? And so I think that becoming better on my part, any time I give, any time I serve others, whether it's my family or people around us, like I feel like I become better. Does that make any sense at yeah, all? Yeah,
1: no, it does. Like and what I'm hearing I'm, I'm I don't want to put words in your mouth. Sure. But- like, there's a lot of selfishness. That's is, exactly is, what I'm looking for. Is that, and, and take, let me, take, take. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> let me, let me even digress a little bit further because when you, when you, when you help others, right, and there's no, you're not putting it on a poster and a billboard that, hey, I did this for so and so. Like, I'm a, I'm a good person. You should perceive me as being a better person than maybe I actually am, right? Right but the reality is when you do those things when you when you help your wife when you build up your children when you do things for others it makes you feel like better like something happens inside where it's like you feel um i don't want to say gratitude you have this kind of light that and so in some way even even helping other people is selfish because 100%. because it because it makes you feel better if yeah. if that makes any sense. And I know that that's kind of a, a backwards way of looking at it, but um, I totally agree. And I know that you, you live that, like you're not talking about that. That's something where,
0: and I hate to, I hate, to, sometimes I even hate to talk about it and I, and I don't want to like identify, you know, things that I've done. Cause I'm look, not, I'm not looking for pats on the back, but f- I feel like it's important to talk about because you you, you want to inspire other people to do the same. Right. But you on the same hand, you're not trying to get any credit for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you, man. Like, uh, for me, this been it's been a, a harsh uh, reality check year, and that's because I've always been used to the guy that gives. Like, I'm I'll be the first guy to volunteer to help someone, or you know, you know, financially in some situations. And I'm not going to go into details, but this year, dude, I have been the recipient of a lot of good deeds yeah but and, you don't take it you don't in, expect in fact, it and it, even though people because they like you you're
1: charismatic you're charismatic people like you and so like they're gonna reach out and be like dude what can I do I know that you can't hold your events you can't do this and so people are reaching out is that hard uh, is that hard for you to say like I'll, can we yeah I'll take your
0: help we'll, well we'll speak honestly I mean dude honestly if I was in a, in a really good position I would do this set up the podcast thing and and video and edit and help do your guys' podcast for free because I like you guys, and I just like hanging out here. And when I came in, I was like, yo, I'll g- give you guys a deal. And you and Matt both were like, no, 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 no deals. Uh, we we want to pay full price. We just need help with this, and you're helping us. And, I, and, and in my mind, I'm like, dude, these guys are just helping me out. They're just doing me a favor. Oh, no,
1: man. So back story. So when we decided to do this podcast, um, I hopped on Amazon, And I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy all this shit, you know? And I got on there and I read some stuff. What do you need? You saw it. It was all sitting in the corner of my office. It's never even been used because once I started getting into it, I was like, and I am clueless. I'm not even in kindergarten when it comes to like producing anything like this. And then Matt, you know, said, Hey, Marcus, this guy that I know. And then we got acquainted does this and he's phenomenal at it. He's an expert at it. He's like a guru. And then you stepped in and kind of took the reins. And so saying that, like, we're, you're doing us a favor, no. bro. I mean, you're,
0: you're smart enough you can figure it out. No. And, and I know that you're the type of guy who would never take credit for it. And I just wanted to put it out there that, yeah, you know, you guys, this this gig coming here and doing this podcast has been a blessing. And so sometimes I think it's good for people to hear it too. It's like I've I've realized that being the person to give all the time feels great, but also sometimes – you know, in those situations, you have to let people help and serve you because they need that, you know. And yeah. so you don't always hear from people, you know, and sometimes it's it's good for you to hear, but this has been a good thing, and yeah. I appreciate you guys, man. Well, we appreciate you.
1: And, you know, like I said, kind of diving into this, how to become uh, better, I want to break it down. And yeah. when we talk about uh, all these different aspects of life, all of us are human beings and we all go through certain things during the day, but I want to talk, um, how, like, cause I, cause I've listened to your podcast and, and with your spouse. Okay. Yeah. Now I've been, how long have I been married? My wife's going to kill me when she listens to this 23 years. I believe I've been married. And what's interesting about marriage is you only know what you grew up with and right. within your own, within your own uh, house, watching your own parents, Watching how they interact, maybe saying, "Well, I can improve on this. I can improve on that." But really, you're a product of how you were raised, and that's why it's so important, in my opinion, to to have uh, a husband and a wife, a mother and a father, two parents raising children. It it allows that son or that daughter to see and get instruction from from both parents. But for me, getting married, like that's all you have to go off of, and I think that's that's the same for most people. Is you know how did how did my dad treat my mom? You know, and and what can I do better? But when I think about my relationship uh, with my wife, um, there's so many aspects that I can talk about, and I can always do better, right? But how do I make her? And this is the thing that I'm working on most recently. Like, how do I make her feel beautiful? Yeah. You know, how do I make her uh, feel value and that's probably uh, two of the strikes against me is I haven't done enough of that in my two decades of marriage, like really valuing uh, everything that she does so that she knows that, hey, staying home with the kids, I understand that's hard. Tough job. And as, as a man, sometimes I'm like, well, you don't go to work all day. I've been to work all day. Make me dinner. You know what I mean? And and I've kind of been that way the better part of my marriage. but. I'm realizing now I'm in my forties that I need to really let her know how much value she brings to the table. Because even though I joke that I'll stay home with the kids, I want a sugar mama, bro, I couldn't do that. No, there's no way. That's not in my DNA. No. So, you know, and, and think about that because I know you have a great relationship with Heidi as I've listened to your podcast and I've seen her. What do you, um, What do you do, and specifically, recently, say in the last year, uh, to make your marriage better, whether it's bringing value, uh, showing her how much you appreciate it, just give me me a specific
0: thing or two. I think that I could list 10, but uh, this one may not even seem that significant, but it was huge for me and Heidi, was, dude, I have a lot of hobbies, right? I love dirt bikes. I love surfing. I love boxing i have all these things that i do right and and it's easy for me you that don't get a box anymore bro you got you, i you. i train about once every two weeks with the buddy oh, do you really yeah okay in my backyard in the cold so okay. we kind of try to keep it like you know old school you know yeah we just hit each other but i i enjoy all these things and my wife you know uh she's a mom and she spends a lot of time and a lot of the things that i found that she enjoyed were with our kids and she she looked at me one day and she says, Marcus, I want a hobby. And I'm, and it like clicked in my head. I'm like, yo, she doesn't really have anything that she thinks about or that takes her mind away from being a mom or takes her mind away from the stresses of the day of doing laundry, of cooking and cleaning. She doesn't have anything to look forward to like or parts to put on or thinking about how she could do something better. So I asked her, I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And she had to think about it for a couple of weeks. And finally she came back and she's like, I want a mountain bike. And I'm like,
1: that's my girl. I went, I went, Hi to you, my girl, bike.
0: you know that, I mean, within a week I went and bought her a mountain bike. I couldn't even say we're in the greatest financial situation to do that. I'm like, I have so many things and so many things that I do. I wanted her to have something that she got stoked about something that she looked forward to, like something that would take her mind off of it. And it's been a freaking game changer once a week. She'll, she'll tell me, you know, it's, it's been harder with winter, but, uh, you know, during the summer, she'd be like, Look, I'm going to go and ride on Wednesday. Whatever I was doing Wednesday, I put on hold. I give her her time, her two, three hours to get up on the mountain with her girlfriends and go ride. And when she comes back, dude, it's just like me when I get off a dirt bike. She went and seen the therapist. She's 100% there. She feels good. She's stoked. Uh, you know, she cleans her bike. She puts her stuff away. It's hers, you know? And I think that that was a, you know, something that maybe a lot of moms don't get. Maybe it's, it's different than, and maybe it's not a, an extreme action sport. Maybe it's, hey, I want to learn sewing or I want to do this. I think we just need to ask our wives, like, yo, what, what do you want to do? Yeah, you're a mom, but you get to have hobbies. You get to have things that you look forward to. What what is it you want to do? You know, besides being a mom. Uh, and a lot, of, I think a lot of moms' answers is like, well, I'm a mom and I love being a mom. That's good, but. You need something else. What is that for Heidi? It was mountain biking, and they might may not even know it because,
1: and this is this is you know it can sound really chauvinistic. Like we're dudes, we got all kinds yeah. of stuff that we enjoy, and but I think that uh, uh, every human being needs something that is not work uh, that isn't parenting. Uh, that they really enjoy and that they're passionate about Yep. because something happens uh, in your brain and your body, the chemistry when you have something that you enjoy and it's kind of your thing. It's not work. It's not raising kids. It's, it's a piece of you that you can go and do and you feel better. Everybody listening to this knows what I'm talking about. I mean, hell some moms will scrapbook, right? I mean, yep. I know moms that like they all they do is they love Pinterest you know what I mean? They love planning like their kid's bedroom on Pinterest or whatever. Um, and so I think uh, giving her or really like acknowledging that that's something she needed is huge. So if you were young, like I have a son who's getting married. He's getting married in March. Yeah. One of my, one of my fears or my concerns, cause I try not to live in fear, but one of my concerns is that I haven't been the role model I haven't given him the imagery as to how
0: he should treat his spouse. And I, I hope that I have, I right? Say, but I, there's I I know I've known you for a while now and I doubt that I, I doubt that it's <laughs> that, that that's
1: the case. It's still but, a concern though. Right. It's always there. It's like, you know, it, it's kinda like, Can I pay my bills? Well, I know I'll always be able to pay my bills because I have a strong work ethic, but there's always that concern of right. like, well, what if what you if? know, what if what if I have you know, a severe brain injury and I can't think and I can't, you know, do what I need to do to operate. And so there's that concern of, have I given him the tools or been uh, the example that I need to be so that he goes and does better than me? Because that's, you know, talking about kind of the, the title of this podcast, be better, or do better. Um, I think it's incumbent, and I've said this many times to do uh, to do better than how you were raised to improve. And that's always a concern, man. I think about it all the time. Like, cause the worst thing, dude, is when you start to see your kids doing things that you hate about yourself and you're like, damn it. Yeah. You know, why does he have to do that? And, and then, and you realize that, well, he learned it from me and I hate that about myself. I've just never taken the self-discipline to correct it. And uh, it's like the worst thing, man. Because Seth's 21 now, and I see these little uh, things that he does that I know he got from me, and I just I want to put my head in the door and slam it. So, if you're young and you're listening to this, and you're in a relationship or or you're newly married, like recognize that both of you need hobbies, both of you need things that allow you to escape from work and raising a family. Uh, And in the end of the day, you're still two individuals, even though you're in a marriage, Mm -hmm. um, you've got to have a long enough leash with your significant other or your spouse to allow them to live their, their piece of their life, you know, and that sounds kind of counterproductive, but I truly believe that I've talked to my wife about that and she's been amazing uh, to almost to a fault, allowing me to do just whatever I want to do. I'm similar to you mountain biking, snowmobiling, dirt biking, there was a season where I golfed a lot and like all these different things. And she's never said like, you can't go or, or stay home or I need you to do this. She's just like, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want to do. And I I realized after like 10 years of marriage that I was taking advantage of her generosity
0: and I started to kind of reel it back a little bit. I've had to do that as well, you know? Where I was doing a lot of writing, you know, yeah, and I'm like she's saying yes, and she's cool with it, but it's probably probably doesn't make it right for me on my end, like there's moderation in all things, you know what I mean, yeah, I mean, it's good, Heidi lets me get away with a lot, but on my end, I had to kind of reel in some of those hobbies and activities that's how you know
1: you got a good girl when it's yeah. like do whatever you want, I'll take care of everything, and then you you know years later you're like. I should probably not take advantage of like the generosity and the kindness yeah. and the unselfishness of my spouse because she's picking up the slack where maybe I should be picking up more so she can do stuff that she enjoys. So, um, I mean, when, when relationships are interesting. I want to bounce right into, into friendships, right? Yeah. And uh, like I truly believe uh, my old man said this and I've referenced it uh, months ago. That at the end of your life, you can count your true friends, like your true friends on one hand. Now, we've all got uh, several acquaintances and, you know, loose friends, several dozen people that we know that, you know, we'll rub shoulders with or whatever. Right. But I'm talking about like, you know, those individuals in your life that you could, you could tell them something, a secret, and you know it's going to the grave. Um, you could call them at the drop of a hat and they will be there to help you um you know the the friends where it kind of it runs deep, maybe a friend that you've had uh since high school, maybe one that you'd met a year ago like it's not really time time is not really relevant, I believe when it comes to that um it's kind of you have like a connection and you know that 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 person's down, you know what I mean, yeah. And sometimes you think that initially and then uh, years later you get betrayed <laughs> and it hurts. Those ones sting. Those man. ones sting, dude. Yeah. It's like sting hard. You know, it's like, it's like when you watch those shows and somebody has been in love and then they get their heart broken and they like never want to be in a relationship again. It's yep. the same thing with like dude friendships, I think. Um, Cause you, you do have those people that will sting you and it, it's, those are tough to get over. But um, let me ask you that question again. Like how, Um, do you specifically, how do you be a better friend to those around you? What does that, what does that mean? Or what does that include?
0: Obviously, man, you've got to give, right? And, uh, I feel like, you know, you always got to be thinking of, Hey, how can I help my friend or what can I do that will make him feel better? Or what can I do that would help support him and what he's doing? But at the end of the day, I think it's important to make sure that the scales are tipping evenly. You know, if you're a that's friend. that's a really good point, dude. If you're if you're a friend and you're always giving, always giving, always giving, uh, I mean that's that's good and you're a good person, but it's unhealthy, you know. And I think to make a, a true friendship is where the scales tip dead evenly. If one person, you know, you call him to ask, or if he asks you to do something, at the, in the drop of the hat, you're there. You know, you're the guy who keeps the secret. You're the one who will you know uh help bury the body you know yeah, what i mean yeah and and your buddy's not doing the same thing and when you call he doesn't answer and when you text he doesn't te- text back i feel like that's an issue and and it's it's hard and i feel like it's it sucks to have to identify you know what i mean but at at the same time like you got to be honest with yourself and it's a reality in life. I think sometimes like in order to have a good friendship and a good thing, you just got to make sure that those scales are tipping evenly and sometimes it hurts, but you got to break them off. Yeah. And that's more of like a selfish thing. But I say that cause you know, recently I've had to identify some of those friendships and be like, look, this is not good. This is not healthy for me. And, uh, I've had to cut some of those off. Yeah.
1: They, and they do sting like, that's a really good point. When you talk about the, the scales have to tip, uh, evenly, you know, I've had acquaintances, uh, friends that, uh, I've had for 20 years and I may not talk to them, uh, very often. And then, you know, I'll have something that they need or that they want and, uh, or, or every, another relationship that they can harness. Right. Right. And I'll get a phone call, uh, out of the blue and i'm like oh i haven't heard from you know i haven't heard from jake or or joe kind of get excited in a minute yeah i'm gonna give him a shout back it'll be good to connect and then you know after the two minutes of pleasantries and you know what's going on or five minutes of pleasantries and updates then it's like hey don't you know so and so or don't you uh don't you have a connection with this and i'm like <laughs> that's what you're calling you're <laughs> You got to be kidding me! You're trying to sell me an MLM, yeah? You know what I mean, or yeah. you you you're just trying to use me to get to this, and those that scale's not tipping. No, nope. bro, it's not tipping. It's the It's all right the way. way on one side. You know, yeah, and it's disappointing. You know what I mean? And I I feel like, uh, and not to, I'm not trying to tout my own horn. I really try to not do that. Like, I I don't. I I'm sure that I have. You know. Um, because friends are there and, and there's some benefits with different friends and whatnot, but I really try to be the guy who, who doesn't do that. Um,
0: but I've had that happen and it freaking yeah. sucks. I've, uh, I mean, even just recently, uh, I've been working on my closet, you know, I got to a point where I was doing, uh, I hung all the drywall and I wanted it to be mudded. You know what I mean? And I, I'm not good at the mudding and I've never been able to make it look good. So I was like, I need to call a friend. I know that I could have asked this certain friend to just do it as a favor, right? I could have probably cashed in the friendship card and he probably would have just come and do it. But I also realized that, look, this is his business. This is how he supports his family. Um, This is a trade. This is his profession. And so when I called him, I said, look, right off the bat, I need your help with this project. I'm not calling you to ask for a favor. I want to pay you. I don't want a deal. I'll pay you your normal rate. I just need the help to get this done. And I wanted to make sure that he realized, like, look, I'm not calling to, to get this done for free. I'm not trying to get anything out of our friendship. I know this is what you do, and I want to pay you. But then I know some of my friends with my profession and the things that I do, I get those phone calls all the time. It's like, hey man, I got I got this thing, and you know, I was, I was, I was thinking maybe you could come hang out, and you, know, you can set up your speakers, and maybe a little stage, and maybe a wireless microphone, maybe a video switcher, and and they just expect me to do that for free, and I'm like, man, the scales scales aren't tipping evenly here, yeah. man. <laughs> like if if you're my friend, and and I feel like if if you are a friend, like keep that in mind. Like, don't look for favors from your friends. I mean, don't, if, if, especially like on a professional level and if it's something they do, if you want those scales to tip evenly, realize that you're going to pay them to do a job and that's, that's how they support their family. So if it's a real friendship, you know, consider it a donation to their family and and you're helping them stay afloat and survive. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking while you're saying
1: that. I, I've and I know I've, I've probably got at least one friend that listens to this because my wife will listen occasionally. Yeah, but uh, I've got I've got some friends, man, and they'll text me. And I'm just realizing now, like, I don't text them back sometimes, or like I don't take their calls, and that's a total dick move. And I, I, I can do better, like with that kind of stuff, because you know sometimes when I'm in like work mode. And I'm like, nothing else really matters. I don't have time for personal stuff. I don't have time to right. wash my car. I don't have time to get my hair cut. I certainly don't have time to take a call from, you know, Joe. And catch up. Yeah. And and I need to, uh, even if it's short, like, make sure to keep those connections. And that's one area where um, I'm not the greatest. One thing I will say, and I don't, I don't want to wax uh, religious, but... Every once in a while, man, and I, 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 don't think I'm unique. I think this is everybody. Um, I'll get this, uh, this feeling or maybe inspiration. You can call it to, to reach out to somebody. Yep. And it might just be dude, somebody, in my neighborhood, like a friend I haven't talked to in a fat minute and what I found through experience with this, if I just pick up the phone and call them or I stop by their house, maybe I haven't seen them in weeks or months, um, it's the right move. Like if I feel like I should, you know, uh, reach out to Craig or or whatnot, then I need to do that. And the more that I've done that and been like, yo, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit on that and just say, I'll do it tomorrow or the next day. I'm just going to drive by there on the way home and check in, make sure that they're doing uh, well, because more often than not, they need me, you know, realize that as a friend, when you have friends, they need you. And sometimes it's just like, dude, they need someone to chat with. You know, they had a rough day. They need, they need to know why the hell they're in the career they're in. They need to know, uh, you know, why they're raising kids. They need to know these different things. And that's what friends are there for, man, to like, to lean on and to assist. And so you get that inspiration. Listen, like if you're listening to this, if you get that feeling where you should reach out to somebody, don't sleep on it, man. Just stop what you're doing and do it right then because you will never, ever regret following that. But, and I I won't go into detail, but I've, 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 I've not followed that in the past. And it, it, I, and I knew, I found out why years later or weeks later, sometimes hours later. And, uh, one, one specific time, um, it hurt, you know, I should have reached out and I didn't. And, uh, so do that. Like if you, if you're listening to this and you haven't a feeling that you should connect with somebody you haven't chatted with, just do it. Yeah. You don't need to know why.
0: I think that, uh, it goes a long way to like, like, you know, we have our wives, right. But we don't really share a lot of the stresses and the things that maybe we're thinking about with work or otherwise. Sometimes our wife, cause we don't want to stress them out. We don't want them to be worried. And then, you know, like in my case, like even with the whole coronavirus shutdown being in the live event industry and not having a lot of work, I've had probably five or six buddies reach out and be like, dude, I just felt like I should call you and see how you're doing. Yeah. And I'm able to talk to them real. You That's know, a real friend, man. Sometimes I can't tell my wife everything like, you know, it's like oh, I'm worried that, about this or I'm worried about this or, yeah. you know, my wife has me like, yo, it's good. I got this, you know, you don't want
1: to bring the financial drama into no. their
0: life. Cause what
1: the hell? Why, why, it two? why help should to stress two people? them out? Yeah, you exactly.
0: Know? But sometimes when I have my buddies calling and they're like, well, how's the things? And maybe I'm, I'm able to open up a little bit more to them. And, uh, you know, I think that maybe as business owners, some of my buddies that are calling, they've, they run businesses, they understand they're able to re- relate a little bit more. And I've had a couple of those calls where maybe I've needed friends to call and had time to chat and it kind of helped take me out of a little bit of a funk, you know?
1: Yeah. That brings up like a a topic with this too, is honesty. Like, dude, just be raw with your homies. Just, just be like, you don't, you don't have to be a baller. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to, you don't have, people don't have to perceive you as this, this, this baller. They may want to rub shoulders with you because they think you got cool cars and some, some coin in your pocket. And, but that ain't a real friend. that's a that's a I don't even know what to call that man it's it's a it's a leech is what that is that's a leech and leeches just latch onto you and start sucking your blood out you know what I'm saying and so just be be honest man be real with yourself be honest with your friends because it's refreshing and one of the like with this whole coronavirus thing one of the things that I hate the most is like you need human interaction I need to like hug it out with people. You know what I mean? I love to shake people's hands. I love to see people's expressions on their faces. And I can't see that with masks on. And I, I hate it. It's like, it's really hard to not have that human interaction, you know, with people. And, um, but you can with your friends and just make sure that you keep that and value that because I think the worst form of uh, punishment is solitary confinement, you know what I mean, being totally on your own. And when you have a good group of friends, like you need to really um I guess insulate that and make sure that it's that it's kept good cuz that that's what keeps you going in life. So, um on to the next one. So, we touched on uh wives and families a little bit, but let's talk about our kids. Um or maybe you are a son And are looking to improve the relationship with your parents. Uh, I think maybe start there. Like if you are a child and your relationship with your father, your mother is maybe a little salty. Like you're a teenager, you're later in your years. Maybe it's you. If you ever think about that. Like I'm 44 years old and I realize that my relationship in my teenage years was a little dodgy with my parents. Not because of them. It was mostly because of me. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And then as a parent, how do you uh, improve? and I think the answer's simple for me, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you improve your relationship with your
0: kids? And I'll, I'll let you answer that, and then I'll pop in. For me, uh, you know, not to get religious again, we have something in our church in our belief system called a patriarchal blessing, which we feel like is a blessing given to us from our heavenly father. In that blessing, for me. It said to honor and respect my children. And if I did that, that they would listen to me and follow me. I feel like I've become a lot softer where, you know, growing up, my parents were a little bit more like yell, a little heavy-handed. And I don't think I've ever yelled at my kids. And it's because I'm trying to honor and respect them. So when I talk to them, and even when there's issues and I've got to address things, instead of getting fired up and yelling – and getting upset, I I take, I tr- it's hard for me, it's not natural, you know, I want to scream, I want to yell, but I take a softer approach, where I approach it more with a level head, and I sit them down, and talk about things, even when it's repeated, you know, I felt like my kids don't feel like I'm like, you know, getting after them, but I'm, I'm honoring them, I'm respecting them, I'm reminding them of things that we need to work on, you know, like, my son Jack's, He's, he's a freaking riot, man. The kid is a lot of fun, but he bounces off the walls and he has my attention span, which I can relate to, you know, but he has to feed the dogs in the morning and he feeds them. He has to undo this cap on the dog food. He has to feed them and he has to put one dog in the kennel because there's one that's dominant and will eat both food. Well, then he always forgets and he'll leave our dog in the kennel and he'll leave the cap off and I've asked him not to spill uh, the dog food all over, and so the other day I got out there. There's dog food everywhere. The cap's off the thing. My dog's still locked up. <laughs> and I'm like, Jacks, and I and for a minute I got upset. I'm just like, you know, I was like pissed. I'm like, this kid, man. I've Your told first him, reaction is like I've to strangle him, him. him. Yeah, I've told him a hundred times. <laughs> so he got home from school, and and luckily it was after school. I I you know calm calm down a little bit and. Sound bad I'm like Jax Hey man, uh you know I went out and I had to let bricks out. You know he's like, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm like, yeah. I, I also had to put the dog food uh, lid back on. Oh man, you know. And then it was well, there was dog food everywhere. Like I asked you not to, man. And he's like, Dad, I'm really sorry. And I'm just like, can can we work on that? I said I, we've talked about it before, but I said, can you really just make a good effort to? I said, I know you get excited and you are running around. And you want to do things. I said, but we've got to do jobs one hundred percent. You know, when we when I ask you to do something, I don't want to halfway done. I need it all the way done. He says, Yeah, Dad, I'll work on it. And I am sure I am going to have that same conversation another ten times. But for me, it's cutting out the anger, cutting out like the getting upset and talking to them in like uh, just a soft manner. And and maybe that doesn't work for everybody, but for my kids. I feel like it. They feel respected, and they're more willing to change and do things the way we want them to. And they they get it, you know. Rather than if I was just to yell, I don't think it would go well. Empathy, like really realizing that uh, you gotta you
1: gotta soften it up a little bit. Yeah. So <laughs> that made me think of a funny story. So when my oldest, um, Seth, was in, I had to be like fourth or fifth grade they had to write um this uh one page uh essay about their hero and i was honored cuz he he wrote this paper about me yeah, right and my dad's my hero like whatever so in this paper he, there's a there's i kept it it's in, actually this this is in my safe this is how like awesome it was is in his paper he said my dad you know blah 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 is my hero for this 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 And he always says that we should never do anything (laughs) half-asked. But he he put asked. And so when my wife went to a parent-teacher conference, they had a chuckle about it because, you know, obviously it's don't do anything half-asked, right? But he wrote half-asked. And anyway, it was just funny. I I kept it in my safe because it's a little memento. But I think for me... Um, I would I would echo everything you just said. By the way, but um, love, you know, you can, you can always have a good relationship with with your kids if you do things out of love. And I do the same thing, man. I raise my voice when when the garbage cans don't get taken out. I'm like, Max, dude, Monday comes once a week, bro. Garbage gets picked up Tuesday morning. It's not that hard. Just set an alarm on your phone. Yep. Take them out Monday night. That's your job. Like, it's not my job. I have a job. This is your job, you know? And sometimes I get pissed because we'll miss it. And, you know, there's those weeks where there's just so much garbage, there's nowhere to put it. And it's a simple job and it's a stupid thing, but I've I've lost my cool before. And I'm like, Max, dude, come on. Like, and I get pretty irate. And uh, And I think you have to, like... You have to have discipline. I'm not saying, like, you don't discipline your kids, but you have to discipline them out of love. Like, how many times growing up did I hear my parents say, I'm only doing this because I love you. You know what I mean? And Like, at the time, I was like, shut up. This is so stupid. And it's really true. It's just the method of how you go about it. For me, all my children are slightly different. Well, quite a bit different than one another. And I've got one that... uh uh will respond to criticism really, really well. And so that works with, with him. And, you know, my other two, they need, they need a lot of encouragement, so to speak. And so I have to be a little softer with uh, the criticism. But it all, it all comes from the same place for me. It all comes out of love. Like, I really want them to, to be happy and find success in their own journey in life, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, It's it's funny because as parents, like, dude, nobody taught us how to do this crap. Right. We're just kind of winging it and figuring it out as we go. And you only have your your parents to look at and maybe some friends and how they operate and run things with their kids. And you're like, wow, I don't know why they do that with their kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you kind of do it a little bit different. But uh, transitioning into being better, um, so – You've had a lot of employees through the years. You've been an employee myself as well. I've been an employee of uh, a few different places, and I've also been a boss of uh, I call myself a coworker because I don't like the word boss um, of you know a lot of people. So transitioning to that, when you look at uh, the workplace and when you look at being an employee, or an employer. And let's start with maybe employer. Um, how do you, how do you be a better employer? Like, how do you bring more value in employing somebody so that that person, he or she, you get more out of them. You, uh, I guess, inspire them to do their best. Uh, what, what is that like for
0: you? So one thing is I've always tried to lead from the front, you know, Uh, my business isn't necessarily one that's going to be a career for people. I use a lot of college kids. It's a gig they can do on the weekends. They run events then they have all week to focus on school. They make really pretty good money, you know, and they can go back do their school work all week. And then the weekends they work and make their money. And so I've always told my guys from a lot of the guys that I work with are guys that I like. And that's one thing that I won't work with anyone. I don't like if we don't, see eye to eye on things. If we're not the same type of people, I hate to be a dick, but I, I spend so many hours around the people that I work. I want to be around people I like. And most of the time I do. And so all my guys, like I take like a, it's almost like their family, you know? And so I tell them, look, this job isn't forever, but I hope that whatever we're doing here, I can teach you things that no matter if you go and work, you know, In a white-collar industry, if you go work in a blue-collar industry, hopefully I give you some skills that are going to help you, you know, uh, be at the top of the pack in that. And so I've always tried to lead from the front. Um, I let my guys know, look, we're blue-collar DJs, you know, or we're blue-collar event people. We'll be the first ones there. We're the last ones to leave. We'll work the hardest, and if someone throws up, we'll grab a mop and a bucket and we'll get it cleaned up before anyone else can do it. And I'm that guy, you know. I'll pick up trash after the event or wherever we're at. I've always tried to to really instill in my guys work ethic, and whatever we do, whether it's setting things up, whether it's entertaining people, whether it's uh, whatever it is, that we we work the hardest no matter what and we stand out. And I said hopefully you take that and you take it to your next job and you're the hardest worker there and hopefully it pays off and you move up or whatever it is, but I've always let my guys know that I'm never better than anything. I'm the same as them. I'm the boss, right? This is my business. I, could, I That's what I love about you. I dude. could set up I could set up a, a lawn chair and watch them set up and do all the hard work, but when it comes to lifting the heaviest piece of equipment, I'm the first guy freaking lifting it, and uh, because of that, dude, I've really seen my guys like excel, and it's noticed. Like when we're at these events and people are talking, they're like, "Yeah, Marcus's crew, man, they're they're the freaking best," and we are, and yeah. that, and that's what I want them to be. And I and I also tell them, look, I don't care if you work for me for the next five years or if you work for me for four weeks. Wherever you move on, I just hope it's better and it's good for you. And I care about them, right? but I hope that you'll take something that we did here and it will help you and your family in the future. But I've always, I mean, I've always had that mentality is we're teaching my guys to work hard, hard work Yeah. now. And then hopefully it benefits them in the future. The, like the rock says, always be
1: the hardest worker in the room. You, that is, that goes for so many aspects of life. It goes for sports it goes for, you know, if you're a DJ, it goes for if you're a mortgage guy and everything in between. You will always have a place and you'll always glean friends and gain respect of those people around you if you have that work ethic. And there's a this, there's this show, uh, uh, Robots. You ever seen Robots? The car- I the cartoon. Mm-mm. So I don't know. It's maybe, pff, I don't know, 12, 15 years old. And um, in this show, uh, the guy says, "See a need, fill a need," and like see it's need, always, like that. it's always stuck with me since I saw that, and I, you know, have told that to my kids a lot. They hear it all the time. But when you see a need, when you're the guy in the room, you know, maybe you're at home, maybe you're on the job, uh, whatever. But this applies to uh, being an employee, right, or an employer. You see a need, fill the need. You know, fix it. Lend a hand, jump in, and be willing to do, regardless if that's your job or not. Exactly that, and that's what I'm getting at is, it doesn't matter what your job description is. You know, this morning, okay, I got here early this morning. I've got to leave early. I got here to the office at 5 a.m. Right, and I have a I have people ask me all the time this week. I had a guy ask me like, what Why do you What do you do when you get to work? I get to work at 5 a.m. Probably two to three days a week. Right. And there's a lot of stuff outside of being a loan officer that, that I do, that I have to take care of, that nobody really sees. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not looking for pats on the back. I'm just right. saying that it's stuff that I have to do. And if I don't do it early, then it cuts into my day. And so, because I have to leave early today to do some personal things. And uh, I got in here early and I uh, changed light bulbs right in the men's bathroom, because it looked like a disco, like the lights were flickering. And so I'm out in the garage and I brought the wrong ladder in. And then I'm like, Oh hell, I had to haul that thing back out and get a different one. They had to find the lights. And, um, last week I got here early and I had to repair the toilet. I'm here all by myself, dude, in the dark. And, you know, I also, uh, signed the checks and that's just how I was raised, man. And because of that, like I'm never really worried about providing for my family. I've never really worried about anything because you know, I've I've instilled my father instilled that work ethic in me. And I've just realized that my greatest asset has nothing to do with my ability to crunch numbers and do mortgages or, you know, my previous life detail cars or sell cell phones or all these different things I've done. My biggest asset is just my work ethic. You're a hustler. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, if I can't solve the problem, that means somebody else has to step in, which means I'm not very valuable, like solve the problem, like see a need, fill a need. And that's my, um, as I've been on both ends, like I've been an employee and, you know, to some bad employers, um, that really don't lead in the front. They're not in the front with the banner. Um, I don't like to I don't wanna rub shoulders with those cats. I don't wanna work for those kind well, of people. It probably doesn't inspire you to do your best either. No. You know? I'm just looking to get paid to do as little as possible to get as much as possible. And what Matt I wish Matt was here because um like we, we we always joke that like why 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 would we ever get a resume for somebody? Or, you know, when it comes down to like interviewing people, the funny thing about interviews is in an interview, both sides are lying. The employer's lying about how great the job is. The employee's lying about how great he or she is. And so you never really get down to the brass tacks of what's going to work. And Gary Vee says this all the time. Like, I never know when I hire somebody. Like, I hire quick. Or he says, yeah, I hire quick and I fire quick because I never know until they're on the job really what I have. Yeah, yeah. And so it's almost like that little honeymoon phase where, you know, everyone's on their their best behavior until real life sets in two weeks in. And so as an employer, um, I've really tried to be in the front with the banner, setting the example, um, being there to help people. And it's less about like, you know, do this because that's what you're paid to do. You know what I mean? And more about like, hey, let's, we're in this together. That's why I always kind of call myself a, a coworker. worker. Um, I'm not a great boss. I'm never going to run a Fortune 500 company that way, but that's okay. That's not, my my sights are not set on that. So, right. and as an employer, an employee, um, just be the dude who's willing to jump in and do anything, man. What was but, that quote one more time? See a see need. See a need, fill a need. I like that, dude. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's like, I heard that and it just, it stuck with me. I think about it all the time. Like I'll walk in a room and maybe I'm not on the job. I'm just like, here's an example. So I snowmobile a ton. And one of the, one of the things that I, that gets on my nerves is I'll be out sledding with four or five or six guys. And you know, there's always that one dude that's getting stuck. He's like, he's he's not very skilled or he's having a bad day and he's getting stuck. Well, I'm the first dude, man, if I see somebody stuck, I'm going to fight my way up to them and I'm going to help him get unstuck. Why? Because two bodies can do a lot more work than one. And when you're standing in four or five feet of powder, getting a 400 pound sled is out of the snow is pretty tough. Right. And so I always try to be the guy where it's like scanning the hills, somebody stuck, do they need help? Whatever. Now that wears you out. Cause when you start the day with like a hundred percent battery and you dig someone out, you're at You're at 90%, you know, and then that cuts into your riding ability and you get tired and you start making mistakes. But it always drives me crazy when there's like that that one or two dudes that you're riding with that like, they won't help. Like there's a dude stuck on the hill and I'm fighting up there to get it. I've already got him unstuck two or three times during the day and I'm the guy up there helping him for the fourth or fifth time and i got a i got a homie or someone i'm sledding with and like he's sitting down the valley he can see clearly he hasn't he hasn't helped anybody all day and i'm like yep. dude I, like you're not going with this next time you know what i mean and it's like so relating that to the job it's like man that when you're not willing to do anything other than exactly what is in your job description to get paid uh doing as little as possible to get the maximum you get That starts to wear on your coworkers. It starts to really beat down your employee employer and they don't really value you. You're not putting any credibility in the bank. No, no. And I, and I'm not saying like, Hey, show up to work and like do the receptionist job and, and do the processor's job and do this, that, and the other. You have your job scripts and that's what you should focus on. But when there's a need man, you got to jump in, dude, you're just a better uh, human being and and a better uh, employee doing that so
0: we've hit a lot of things I, how, I a lot don't of even, good things we're at 52 minutes oh we are 52 minutes been rambling a lot man no it's good stuff man I feel like chatting with you man it's, it makes me self-reflect and look at some things that I got to fix and work on <laughs> you know it's been a day of reflection so I mean the, my thing is
1: you know I, I I really am trying to to be a better person and these are the different areas in life we, that we touched on that I think, uh, you know, and I'm I'm not like, it's not like either one of us are, you know, amazing beacons for the right. world to watch in these areas, but it's good to open the conversation and talk about like the things that maybe we're not good at and the things that we are good at, because um, there's some value for those listening and saying, hey, maybe I should reflect on these areas and do a better job and be a better person. Um, and re- ultimately, you know, make the world a better place. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think at the end of the day, when you're, you know, dead and gone, how do you want people to talk about you? I think that, you know, legacy for me is an important thing. I want to be a storyteller. I want my kids to sit around after I'm gone and be like, our dad was a damn good dude. You yeah. Know? And uh, I want to live with honor and integrity. I want to be a, a moral person. And I think that sometimes you got to stop and, identify some of those things make some adjustments some mental notes and so you can work towards that you know that's what i want
1: do you think about that like hey when i pass away like who's gonna give my eulogy and what are they gonna say and is it gonna be like a big lie if they try to portray me as this cool
0: dude i've got my funeral planned out
1: (laughs) don't say that no because you know why the hell
0: do you have your funeral planned out well here's the (laughs) thing uh every time i crash or wreck a dirt bike, my wife, I up my insurance policy. So if I die, which I'm not looking to do, my wife will be very well taken care of, but I don't want the sad funeral. I don't, I'm a member of the, of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I don't want it in the church. I want it in a big giant parking lot. I want motorcycles doing burnouts. I want a mosh pit around my casket to the song, bro him by Pennywise. And I want it to be a party and a celebration. I think that, you know, Whether I die young or even if I'm 90, it's going to be the same way. I want a freaking party. I don't want people to celebrate and honor my life that way. And uh, I've actually made part of that in my will so my wife knows what's going on. I like that. I don't want the sad, dude. If I die tomorrow, like this is one thing that I really had to identify 10 years ago. Like I wasn't living. I was working and that was it. And I'm like, dude, if I die tomorrow, I'd be bummed out. Because I haven't checked anything off. I just focus on making money and that's not what I wanna be doing. But I die tomorrow, I'm stoked. I've had a great life. Uh, granted, I'd want more time with my kids and my family. Um, but other than that, like I've checked a lot of things off, I've had a lot of fun, I've had a great life. It's good. And so I would want people to ce- celebrate that rather than mourning it. We're gonna extend this a second because that, you just
1: said something that I, it's been on my mind a lot. Yeah. Cause I've been working a grip. Like I've been working a lot of hours the last couple of years. Um, we've been really busy trying to take the opportunity of the moment, blah, For blah, sure. blah. But um, I, I I'm at that point where it's like, I enjoy my life. I've, I've, I've done a lot of cool things. I have, you know, I spend a lot of time with my kids, but I'm working a lot. And so you said like a decade, 10 years ago, you mm-hmm. kind of came to this, this realization of I'm working a lot. Like, do I just want to be known as the dude who works hard? You know what I mean. I'm putting words in your mouth, but like, how how did that
0: how did that happen? Like, what and what did you change? So it was a guy named Andy Miller. He lives in Draper, up on the side of South Mountain, right by the Draper Pool. I'm not trying to give away where he lives, but uh, you have his address, yeah. <laughs> uh, If you're looking for a mentor, you know, Andy's a guy. Well, he has a landscape company, and. Me at the time, you know, I just bought my first house and I'm working hard and I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing more events, more events. And my mentality was just to make more money. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's what I'm doing. And then I saw this guy, Andy Miller, and he works hard through the summer. He he does a great job, makes some money. And then all winter long, he snowmobiles. Uh, I I got to know him because they invited us on a cruise. So we went on a cruise with him and his wife and some other friends And he was always at his kid's stuff and he was riding dirt bikes and he was, you know, building, you know, weird cars and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, that, that guy's having a lot of fun and he works hard, you know, but he's figured it out to where he can enjoy not, not when he retires, you know, but he can enjoy now while he's doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm just working and I don't have a dirt bike and I've sold everything to help grow my business. I'm like, what if I die tomorrow? You know, what if, what if I'm dead? Like, am I going to be stoked? So this isn't great financial advice. And, you know, I, I'm probably looking at it backwards, but I took a bank loan on a dirt bike. Why? Because I knew I could cover the $100 payment a month and I could still go dirt biking. And I started making time and I'm like, let, let me work smarter so that I could be around my kids more. Let me work, uh, you know, smarter so I can go and enjoy everything that I want to do now. Because, you know, I had a kid who worked for me, his mom and dad, they only had this one son and they both had six figure jobs a year. So they're doing pretty well. Right. And the goal was always, you know, when I, when we turned 65, we're going to retire, we're going to buy a motor home, we're going to travel the country. And they were, you know, three or four years out from that. They worked hard their whole lives, but that's all they did. Well, she got cancer, mm. you know, at 62 within six months, she passed away and My buddy Alex was wanting to be a lawyer, you know, he was gonna follow in the footsteps of his parents. After that, he quit school. He started traveling. He'd go and make money. And he's just like I learned, man, like, you know, my parents didn't do anything their whole lives. Yeah. And then my mom passed away from cancer. You just never know when you're gonna go. So you gotta have that balance. You gotta provide. You gotta have a job. You gotta work. But at the same time, man, you cannot waste time you got to enjoy your life. Life is not meant to be endured, but it, to be enjoyed, right? Yeah. And so I feel like I had to shift my focus and thinking from I've got to work. I've got to be a businessman. i got to make money. I'm not money motivated. I just need enough money, you know? my My whole goal is to fill my life with memories. My kids, I want to be in all their memories. I want yeah. them to think, you know, like when I die, like, oh, my dad was there for that. My dad was there for this. And my dad taught me this, we did this together, we worked, we did, you know, we played. I think I just had to, I had to, Andy Miller was a real, like, eye opener for me. Like, look, you can work, you can make a living, you can be smart about it. And uh, you can enjoy it now and not have to wait till you're older. It's funny that you tell that story because, um, and I'll be quick
1: here as we wrap up, but um, my grandfather, my, my dad's father, um, worked until he was seventy. I want to say he was seventy-seven or seventy-eight years old, and essentially, you know, died working, died on the job, pretty much. Um, got cancer, and uh, that was kind of his his story. You know, he worked his whole life and and passed away. And what's funny is I always said that I'm not going to be that guy. And in my twenties and in my thirties. I enjoyed a lot of time off. I enjoyed, I've, I've traveled the country with, with my kid racing bikes and, you know, I've been on a lot of vacations and what's, what's interesting about where I'm at right now is the last couple of years, it's been all work. And like I said, I'm trying to seize the opportunity or the moment of kind of where lending right. is right now. And so I've had this time of reflection of like. You know, maybe I played too much in 2005 and maybe I'm working too much in 2020. And now, you know, it, it takes those experiences to, and then you got to sit back and look at it and say, was I happier then? Am I happier now? Am I doing it wrong now? And I was doing it uh, right then or vice versa. And I think it's really, uh, it's up to you, you know, uh, where you need to be. Like you said, you know, you, you're not money motivated. Um, and I, I'm not really, uh, money motivated. I'm success motivated. Yeah. But success can be defined in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And, um, I guess for me, I, it's good to take kind of a barometer as to what's important to me. Like, you know, do I want to be a successful father? Do I want to be a more successful husband? Where do I need to put my time and my energy? And then you know, balancing that each week and each month and really reflecting on what's going to be best. Where's your time going to be, uh, well spent. It's, it's obvious that as, as a provider, the only provider in my family, like that's my, that's my job. Yeah. Right. That, that box has to be checked. And if it's not checked then we got problems, right. But once it's checked, do I need to check it six times, you know, uh, or do I just check it once and then move on to the other areas? And so, um, I again, I don't care if you're 20 or 18 or, or 50, like these are all realities that kind of we all face. Um, what is the Matt said about his funeral? Oh, he said, when I die, I want people to show up at the funeral and say, that guy owed me a lot guy, of money. <laughs> that guy, that guy right there, that guy owed me a lot of money. <laughs> we know that ain't going to happen, but I, I, I don't, I think about that sometimes like, uh, what what are people actually going to say when I'm when I'm passed away? And I think that's like a true reflection on kind of how you lived your life, you know. Sure, maybe man. they don't say it; they just think it. But uh, hey, it's dude, it's been really good chatting with you. And awesome, appreciate ho- hopefully, it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this uh, podcast. We will catch you on the next one. And if you have not subscribed, please do. We try to get on the mic uh, every two weeks. Occasionally, we'll miss a week, but please subscribe. Leave some comments and share this with others. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Fundamental Life Podcast.